0: Welcome back in Brady Farca. show here on this Monday on WDEV AM and FM and wdevradio.com Continuing our conversation around Catamount athletics, a pretty good weekend overall for Catamount teams. The women's hockey team wrapped up the number two seed in the hockey East playoffs. Women's basketball won their 12th consecutive game, beating NJIT by 12 on a Saturday afternoon. And then the men got a scare, but, uh, Maybe a scare that they needed going into the conference tournament. They're getting a ninth straight win, beating NJIT in overtime. And joining me now is the voice of Catamount Athletics. It's Rob Ryan. Rob, thank you for being with us. How are you? No problem, Brady. Thanks for having me. You call all the Catamount teams in the winter. Men's hockey, women's hockey, men's basketball, women's basketball. How is your throat doing at this point of the winter? And uh, how many games have you called? You know, I haven't done the math on it, but it's uh, it's a lot. I figure, you know, it's usually
1: like at least 30 per season and then you've got kind of the ancillary soccer and lacrosse that happens afterwards that i fill in on for sometimes so i'd probably say about
0: somewhere in the 40 to 70 range depending on the year let's talk uh let's talk uvm men's hoops first because this is where i was just talking about i'll be honest when this team was one in five i was getting a lot of text messages on them now that they're rolling I feel like I'm getting less engagement on them. Do you you get there's a sense of excitement around this program right now? Or is it just kind of been there, done that?
1: No, I, you know, I think we it's always a, a scary proposition when you start 1 in 5 especially for this particular program at this point. They've rolled along now nearly 20 years of 20 win seasons except for one year. Um, you know, they may or may not get to that this season for the first time in a really long time and I think the expectations are high. So I think when they're 1 in 5, you're always going to get this nervousness. But You have to realize, too, Dylan Penn didn't play in the preseason. He didn't practice in the preseason. He wasn't ready to go for game one as much as you'd want him ready to go. Um, Nicky Fiorello gets hurt a couple of games into the season, and everything is in turmoil. I think when you look at this year, this might be John Becker's best coaching job because they had to move so many things around, and he's pushed all the right buttons thus far, and they started to roll, and they're only going to get Nicky Fiorello back, hopefully, uh, here in the next couple of weeks. and all is right in the world. I mean, you, you just you just kind of have to wait and see. Sometimes they played a tough non-conference schedule, too.
0: Yeah, they played a very tough non-conference schedule. And really, one of the big reasons for their turnaround has been the play of Finn Sullivan. And he had 21 the other night against uh, NJIT. I think that's five times in the last eight games he's gone for 20 or more. You've seen a couple of America East players of the year come through Burlington. Does Finn Sullivan look like the player of the year for you?
1: Yeah, it's funny because I think if you look at the statistical output for Finn Sullivan, I think he's right there in the mix. I think he's someone you'll talk about. He's got kind of that those clutch moments that he picks up to to help the team win. But if you want to talk about most valuable player, you know, Finn's up there too. But the role that Robin Duncan has filled is probably the most valuable to the way that this team has started to play. Um, and it's an interesting kind of twist because we always talk about players of the year. You look at raw statistics a lot of times, but from a basketball standpoint, what's made this team click is Robin Duncan and his ability to play anywhere between the one and the four.
0: 13 points, 12 rebounds in the game winner the other night for Robin. It has been, I give him a lot of credit too, because we've talked about this a lot throughout the year, Rob, on this show, is that I mean, this is a point guard playing a five. This is a guy defending post players in a way he's never had to and doing a very good job at it. I think that's one of the biggest surprises for this team is his ability to be able to acclimate to a totally different role.
1: He's tall, and he's got size, and he's got length, and he can really play the four and play the five at times. And what that's done <clears throat> pardon me, defensively for the Catamounts is allowed you know other matchups for some of the younger players to be an easier matchup because he's taking the time in the paint and you've got kind of bigs that are being forced kind of away from the basket. And I think teams get into this mentality of, Oh, there's a guard guarding our big man. We're going to get it down low and we're going to establish that. And they can't because Robin's too good defensively. And then on the other end, it's like, well now who do I put on the shooter from the outside? And who do I put in the post? So you see Dylan Penn going to the post a lot. and It takes a guard out of the mix on the outside. And the catamount bigs like Varetto, Fiorello when he comes back, Finn, they can all shoot the ball. And Robin's ability to pass, Dylan Penn's ability to pass, especially out of the post, creates a dynamic for this team that's really difficult to defend no matter what you throw out there as an alignment because the catamounts go four wide with, with guards. And you think, all right, well, we'll just defend the three-point line. But it doesn't work like that because Dylan can go to low post. Robin can go to low post. Then what do you do? Now you've got to bring guards down though and your bigs are out defending the three-point line and we're shooting over top of them. And it's it's an impossible matchup for other teams because there's so many different ways that, that coach Becker can align the pieces that he has to be successful and that's what's made them so good during conference play.
0: What's the worry you have for this team?
1: Uh, you know, I think it's the same worry you've had since day 1 that we've kind of been alleviated. <laughs> it's the it's it's rebounding and the play interiorly. Um, I think they've mitigated that, and they've, but it's still a concern. I, and I think it's really going, and a cold shooting night. I mean, listen, you know, you go three for from three, and in any NCAA team is going to be in trouble with that because it's the way the game's played these days. Um, you know, so I think the, the possibility of them getting out rebounded is always there because you know I think we, if if Nick Fiorello can come back, that helps a lot because it's another big body foul trouble. Always another concern, especially when you get into these. And we saw it with the women's game last week. There was a lot of whistles in that game. Um, And if that happens uh, on the men's side and you get a, a lot of people into foul trouble, I think, you know, it could kind of throw the depth out of whack a little bit.
0: UVM women's team, again, now has won 12 straight games. We're talking with Rob Ryan, the voice of Catamount Athletics, here on the Brady Farkas Show. Women's team wins 85-73 against NJIT, three players in double double figures. And what I think is really cool for them is not just that they're winning, it's that they're navigating this kind of new reality and every time they win a game more pressure comes and they haven't they haven't closed out games in the past they haven't closed out seasons in the past and every game for them is a new pressure and a new challenge and they are meeting it head on to put up 85 points on saturday against a pretty good nji team i was very very impressed with that
1: they're so much fun And they're another team that has kind of this depth that when used properly and coach Kress, he's again, another coach has pushed all the right buttons with this team and, and the matchups have come where they have needed to come and they've gotten big shots when they need to get big shots. But, you know, the core four that start are a lot like the men's team in a way where if you're going to crash down low and defend them down low. They're going to shoot over Toppy and make buckets, and you're going to get Emma Utterback driving and kicking, and you're going to get you know threes being knocked down by Delaney Richardson. Um, and it's if you just, you know decide to defend the three point line, then they're just going to crush you inside with Anna Olson. We saw that in the first quarter against NGIT. They decided not to double Anna, and she went for ten in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And NGIT had to decide quickly. Well, we can't let that happen. Now Anna got in foul trouble. She picked up too early. And she had to sit for most of, um, you know, most of the first half, and she didn't get a lot of playing time. But again, the ability for Emma Otterback to drive and kick, and slash with Delaney Richardson, and those kind of screen and rolls, and playing the high-low game with those two is is a dangerous weapon. And then if that gets shut down, then you can just throw it inside to Anna Olson. And she plays the high low game with um, Delaney Richardson. And it's, it's just beautiful to watch. And they, there's that feeling out process in the first quarter that you can kind of see. And then once the other team makes adjustments, coach Kresge makes the opposite adjustment and it's, it's been an unstoppable thing for this women's team, and, and they're so much fun to watch. Um, I was shocked to learn that they hadn't won 12 straight since 2002, mm. just because the teams with May Kay and Courtney Pilipitis were so good uh, in 2008 in and 2009 and, and 2010, I'm shocked that they had not win 12 games in a row. So this has been the best team they've had since May Kostopoulos and, and Courtney Pilipitis have been there in two straight years of 20 wins. It's a, kind of a, a rebuilding of this program that Coach Kresge done in the last five years that um, has been amazing to watch unfold.
0: For those of you who are just getting kind of on the UVM women's bandwagon, they do play quarters in the women's game, not halves. How do you like that? Uh, how do you like the quarters develop the quarters um dynamic as opposed to playing half to half?
1: So we we kind of broadcast or cursed this Bernie and I the other day because we started chatting early in the in the NGIT game how we really hadn't seen any bonuses in any of the previous games. You don't get to the bonus. The game doesn't get bogged down in free throws in either half because the way it's structured is you play the 10-minute quarter and you have to hit five fouls and it's an automatic two shots after. There's no one and one Mm -hmm. in the women's game anymore. So it's rare these days where you get to five fouls in a 10-minute span for either team. Now, of course, against NGIT, fouls aplenty. We were shooting all day. (laughs) It's a little bit of a different (laughs) game, Um, but it hadn't happened. So... It's tricky because at the end of games or at the end of halves, what you wind up with is there's only one team foul in the final quarter. And if you're down by three, you've got to successfully foul four times mm. over to get there. And it becomes this kind of weird dynamic, but it's a, I like it. I, I think it's great for the women's game. It breaks the game up a little bit. You've got your media timeouts at the halfway mark or at any point when a timeout's called in the quarter, they go to the media timeout right away. Um, and I like it a lot. I think it's a nice structure. Um, you know, with the shot clock being 30, everything moves really well. Um, and again, it's just, I feel like two, you know, referees are a lot on instinct and sometimes a lot on kind of chasing the previous call and you don't get the evening up across a 20 minutes and seven fouls like you do in the men's game. Sometimes you'll hear a coach lean on, Hey, let the fouls are seven to one. What are we doing? And all of a sudden you get three quick fouls the other way. Mm. You don't get that whistle in the women's game. It's it's uh, it feels more even up
0: finally, on the women's hockey team, they wrap up the number 2 seed in the Hockey East Tournament. This was not the case last year where, even though they were so good, they did not make the NCAA Tournament without virtue of winning their conference tournament. It feels like this year they've been nationally ranked all year. Do you think, and you're a hockey guy, are they into the NCAA Tournament regardless of what happens at this point in the league playoffs? There's
1: an extra automatic bid this year for the conference that has... um you know, Sacred Heart and St. Mike's and and those guys. So I don't know how that all shakes out. And I haven't looked at the pairwise yet, but obviously they've got kind of the system where everything kind of gets globally ranked. Um, but they should be in. Um, yeah. It would be heartbreaking that they don't. And Northeastern's a juggernaut. Um, you know, I do think as competitive as Hockey East is, they probably have to get to a final to really stake a claim mm. um, in the way that, you know, everything gets done because it's a smaller tournament, obviously, than basketball. But they've got, you know, a couple of world-class players on this team and it's been really encouraging. And, and I'll say this for the women's basketball crowd, kudos to the fans. They've been coming out to the gym. Women's basketball games have been amazingly attended. Um, really, they've done a really nice job, the fans of recognizing that. And I hope that starts to spill over to the women's team. The pack they got was great this year. The crowds have been bigger. And again, Natalie Malinkova and Teresa Schaffsall are world-class talents, a nationally, you know, like, you know, world level national team for their country's talents and they are worth the price of admission no matter who the catamounts are playing. And Jesse McPherson's one of the best goaltenders in in the conference. And, you know, they're going to make noise in this, uh, in this playoff. And, and, you know, I hope they go deep. It's tricky being one and out as all tournaments are. Um, but I hope they get deep enough where the, where they're considered to get into the national tournament and be the first time in the program's history. They've won 20 games in back-to-back years for the first time. Um, and again, Jim Plumer's done such an amazing job with this group, and they're they're heavy on you know, on you know depth, and they're also heavy on upper class uh, performers. So it'll be a lot of fun to see what they do in the playoffs. So they can kind of continue on here, uh, you know, into the postseason.
0: Rob Ryan, voice of Canton Athletics on ESPN three men's hockey, women's hockey, men's basketball, women's basketball, and we're headed down to the playoffs in all of them. Here, just a couple of regular season games left, uh, especially on the basketball side. Rob, man, we appreciate it, and we will talk to you down the road. Thanks for the time, Brady.